Okay, church. Uh, good morning. Uh, I'm really excited about this uh, this breakthrough weekend. Um, so one of the one of the things that has always been on my heart uh, as a you know as even when I first came to the church on staff of ten years ago or actually twelve years ago now is that I just have this sense of God bringing churches together. Not that one church is any better than another. Not that one church has it, you know, more right than the other, but that God is bringing and unifying churches together. And if you were here last week, we had uh, Pastor Jack and Trish Verbleski were here. They were the founding pastors of a church in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, the church that, that we grew up in, that he married us. And he gave a prophetic word over that. And I was going to say this later, but I'm going to say it now because that's where I'm going. He gave a prophetic word over this church. And look, guys, there's a lot of prophetic words out there. How many know, right? Ones that came true, ones that didn't come true, ones that they think are going to come true. But when there's a prophetic word given by somebody over a specific church, by someone who loves the church, who knows, understands the church, knows us and loves us, I take heed to that word. Yeah? I mean, like, there's, I, there's great prophetic words out there, and I, and I like to listen to some of those people, but they're not speaking specifically to Erie Christian Fellowship Church. Okay? And last week, Pastor Jack and Trish spoke specifically to Erie Christian Fellowship Church. And I had Sid transcribe some of the things that they said, and it goes along with, this is a long-winded announcement, but it's kind of half-preaching as well, so just bear with me. So what Trish said is, expect the unexpected. I'm not going to read everything that she said, but expect the unexpected, the shifts, the changes, the angles that God might move in this congregation, that God is going to move and it's going to surprise and delight people. And that was at the beginning of service, and I was going, you know, amen, amen, amen. And then at the end of service, Pastor Jackie had this word, and then I wasn't amening anymore, then I was just weeping. I was crying up here in the front. I think I had to come up afterwards and do the benediction, right? I'm doing one of these things, wiping the tears off my eyes. Uh, but here's the summary of what he said. He said, I hear the Lord saying, he is going to be delivering this church into a new season of power relative to other churches in the area. And I was just like, come on. You got more? Come on, give it more, give it more. And we get on to say that there's going to come upon Erie Christian Fellowship an anointing that is going to draw churches who have compartmentalized themselves. He said, I keep getting the word compartments, that the spirit of compartmentalization on churches in this area. And God says, I'm going to draw them to the anointing of power that is here. And you won't be bigger than they are. God says. You won't be better than they are, God says, but you're going to be anointed with a soul-piercing sense of the value of the unity of the church and the value of the flock. And other churches are going to become jealous of it and want in on that anointing. God says it's going to be a graceful day for the region when that begins to be enacted, but God said, it's in my hands I will accomplish it, says the Lord. 
And I'm just, I'm up here weeping because this, I mean, I've never told him, I mean, we grew up with him, but I never told him our heart for Erie. I never told him about churches combining together. I never told him about breakthrough conferences that we're already working on and want to see churches coming together. And it was a spot on word for this church, guys. That there's a spirit of unity amongst churches that we as a congregation have an anointing on us to be able to do that in this area. Do you guys understand that? Not just me, us as a church, to be able to do that, to partner with other churches. So to say that I'm excited about a, a breakthrough weekend in which we're partnering with, I believe it's Abundant Life Church, New Beginnings Church, of course Erie First Assembly, which is hosting it this year. Uh, there's a chance we host it next year. Uh, and there is uh, Lake Erie Church, and then us, I believe, are the churches. But that's like five or six churches. That's not typical. Five or six churches don't come together in an area to put on a conference for their area. And so I'm excited about what God's doing and what he's working on. Uh, so just, I just be in prayer about that. Uh, there is a registration fee, so you can go to the website. We'll be promoting that more as we go. We're only, I mean, we're almost like, still two months away from it. So you're going to hear more about it as it comes. Uh, but I want to pray over the offering here. I have a scripture out of 2 Corinthians 9. It says this, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And you know, normally I'm floating around, right? I'm walking around. But can I tell you that those of you that came up and you were dropping your offerings in as you were coming forth, just as Pastor Liz said, about being, you know, coming up and joyfully bringing, I literally could see the joy on you guys. I'm not kidding you. Like, actually, Sid was like, why, why are you sitting here, <laughs> like, waiting for me to do a announcement? I was like, no, I'm just sitting here, right? And I just got to see the joy and the cheerfulness in giving. Well, I've got some exciting news today. Uh, over here on my left is our exceeding abundantly above what God's going to do and is doing and has been doing in reducing the debt of our church. And guess what, guys? We just crossed off another $25,000 brick. God is bringing that mortgage down. I always laugh because I can barely see the numbers, and I'm standing right here, so I know none of you can see these numbers. But basically, the number we crossed off was 1100, so 1.1 million. We're now below that which means a couple more blocks and we're going to end up being going below a million. So I'm excited about what God's doing in our church. You know, the property value here is worth, I mean, God's been so generous, so many faithful givers over the years. Uh, probably all of our assets are worth somewhere around $4 million. We only have a million dollars left of debt that we know God is going to pay off, and we're excited to see him do that. Amen? This, I've always said this church is a distribution center. Each of us are really distribution centers, right? You don't get to take any of it with you when you go. And so God is just saying he wants us to be a distribution center here, to be able to do more and feed the poor, be able to do more and see the lost saved, and so many things that God has in store for us. So if you want to partner with us in that uh, debt reduction on your offering envelope, uh, it does, it's the second one down, it says generations, that's what we have called it, or the building fund. Uh, and I just want you to just pray about it. See if the Lord wants you to partner with us in reducing that debt, which is above and beyond your normal tithes and offerings. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, that you are reducing the debt at this church and in every one of our lives, Lord. 
Father, I thank you that your word commands that we will be the lender and not the borrower. And so, Father, I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I got a note to share with you. Somebody gave me a note. One of my kids gave me a note this morning. This has nothing to do, well, actually has to do with the family of God, which is the message that I have. She gave me a note. She put it in an offering envelope. Okay. I'm going to have to teach her, okay, don't use the offering envelope for that, but it's so sweet. I'm probably not going to say anything because I don't even know if she's here. And she wrote a picture, and it says, actually, this is Noel again. It says, Noel and Dad. Now, technically, she's taller than me, so I don't know if this is a prophetic, like a prophetic drawing of the future because I think she's going to be tall. But she says, uh, you are the best dad. When you get home, we can play Uno. <laughs> so I don't know what you're doing this afternoon in this rainy day, but I know exactly what I'm going to be doing on this rainy day, and that's playing Uno with my kids. Amen? All right. Uh, so I have a, do we have that vision slide up? I just want to talk about this for a minute, uh, and then I'm going to transition kind of into the core of our message uh, this morning. And I wanted to put this back up because I got a lot of questions uh, recently that says, hey, Pastor Jason, you guys took the month of June, you took some time for vacation, you know, what did the Lord speak to you about the church? What did the Lord speak to you about the vision moving forward? What did he speak to you about certain things? And I began to share that like two weeks ago, talking about the specific things that he was telling us as a church, be bold and be honest, you guys remember some of this, a lot of you have been being honest recently, which is, I love it, uh, you know, finding joy in everything that you're doing, pray more worry less. Those are the things that God was speaking to us, uh, you know, specifically as individuals. And I'm going to share some things this morning uh, on what I believe the Lord is working on in our church. Now, if you're new here or you're here for the first time, do not tune out. Because I've tried to develop this message so that it makes sense no matter who you are, whether you're here for the first time and only time, or whether you're someone who has been at this church for 30 two years since its inception, okay? But what the Lord reminded me of is during this time of rest and reflection is that the mission of our church remains the same. In fact, it's a biblical mission that really all New Testament churches should have. And, our, and we use different words, right? You go to somebody's website and it says this, it says that, but they're all, we're all using the same words to get to the same thing. For us, these are our words, this is Erie Christian Fellowship Church's words. We want to see the lost saved. Yeah, we want to see souls transformed for Jesus for the rest of their lives. We want to see those lives transformed and discipled. We want to see the sick healed, and we want to see families thriving. That doesn't change. That's the mission of the church. That's what we want to see happen. And if you look at that cross, it's down Route 79 and across Route 90. Because I believe that God has planted this church along with the other churches, like I mentioned, in this area to reach a million souls in northwest Pennsylvania for Jesus Christ. That doesn't change. What also doesn't change is the only way to make this happen and to make this work is the three P words around the circle. When I did this initially, someone called pizza out as one of the P words, and I was like, no, it's not pizza, although pizza is very helpful, but it's prayer. We need to be a church that prays. We need to be individuals that pray, because without prayer, I mean, I don't, without, we need prayer. 
I can't even finish that sentence. Without prayer, blank, nothing. We need partnership. We are not going to reach one million souls in northwest Pennsylvania together. We're going to do breakthrough weekends. We're going to partner with other churches and other organizations. And then the P at the bottom is participation. We can't do it alone. We need everybody partnering with us to be able to do this together. So open your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 2. Because what I want to do this morning is, yes, this is, you know, this is the mission. But I want to talk a little bit about what God is revealing to us. Really, what is the vision look like? What does it look like? What does the family of God really look like? And my message this morning is reflections from rest, a family of God. What does this look like? You know, back to that prophetic word that I said from Pastor Jack is it says that, that we as a church will have a soul-piercing sense of the unity of the church. Well, in order for a church to have unity, we have to be united. In order for us to have an anointing that flows out of us, we have to first have the unity internally, do we not? And a family has to thrive with unity. And so I ask myself the question... How does the family of God love together, live together, and thrive together? How do we do that? So I'm going to open up in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And I can tell you now, this is a, a six-point message. And I'm probably only going to do three points of it today. And so you have to come back to hear the rest of it next week. That's not a marketing campaign. It's not a trick. The three will be good if you can't make it back to this. But I really encourage you to listen to last week's message because it was on the flock of God. And this morning we're going to talk about the family of God. And, and I, it's interesting. I digress for a minute. This morning I got on to YouTube and I felt led to, to listen to something that a church was talking about in Colorado. I feel like the Lord just said, just open up the last service from last Sunday and just listen to it. And within five minutes of listening to what they were saying, it was exactly aligned to what was said last week here and what I'm going to say this week and what we're going to continue to talk about next week. So I can tell you, church, that the Holy Spirit is moving with this message across the country and across the globe. This is not just for us, but it is for all the churches, although there's some specific things that we have to take into account. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. The context of this is this is the early church. This is just after Jesus, uh, he was resurrected, he was with the disciples, and then he ascended to heaven. And this is how Luke, the writer of Acts, describes the early church. And I don't know about you, and yes, we live in a different culture. Yes, it's 2021, I understand that. But if we have to look back to the biblical standard of what the Bible says the church should look like and how the church should operate. Not how another church operates down the street, not this, but what does Erie Christian Fellowship need to look, at, look like in reference to what the Lord has told us it's supposed to look like in the scriptures? It says this, and they continued steadfastly 
in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. I'll pause there. I'm not asking you to sell all your stuff and give it to the church and we redistribute it. That's a whole different thing. I'm not talking about that this morning, just in case anyone started thinking that way. So continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily, those who were being saved. Look at the progression. This is what the church is doing, and the Lord is the one adding daily to those being saved. Now, we have a part to play in that, I get that. But I started to look at the words that jumped out at me. And I'm going to read this. Look, look, look at these words here. Here are some of these words. They continued steadfastly together with all things in common, as anyone had need, in one accord with gladness and simplicity of heart. As your pastor, that is the sentence that I want our church to operate in. Is that not a picture of family, of a healthy family operating? Steadfast, together, all things in common, as anyone had need, one accord, gladness, simplicity of heart. This is how a thriving family operates. And so while we were, you know, we had some time off in June, the Lord gave me some real specific things about the family of God and how a family of God needs to operate and truly how this church needs to operate and what does it look like moving forward. So turn with me to Ephesians 4. Turn to me to Ephesians 4. And I've got these points on what a healthy family looks like. Now this applies to your family. This can apply, you know, to a single mother, to their family. This can apply to families. But importantly, this also applies to the church family. And how many of you know that the the church family is really God's heart and representation of his family? Right? The Bible says that Jesus gave his life for the church, gave his life for the church. For you and for me, it's huge. So Ephesians 4, what I want to do is I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. I'm going to start in verse 1, and then I'm going to stop, and I'm going to kind of, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about that Scripture. What does it mean for our church, and what does it mean for your family as well? It says, there I therefore... This is Paul writing, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called, with all lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing, bearing with one another in love, verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So my first point is this, a healthy family spends time together. A healthy family spends 
time together. I know spending time together looks different ways and different because, you know, FaceTime and all these things and distance and stuff like that. But if you truly think of what a healthy family looks like, it spends time together. A healthy church spends time together. So here's what I've noticed about spending time together, though. When we do it casually, when we just kind of come and go and we kind of stay on the outskirts of spending time together, we don't have to get all that real. Is that true? Because right? you don't get up and get real with someone like the first time. Now, maybe some people do, right? But I'm like, I'm just like, look, I'm not going to get real. Like, there's some newcomers here. I'm not going to get real real with you, like, right out of the gate. And you're probably not going to do that with me. And it takes time, spending time together to begin to develop relationships together in order to that you can grow on both sides. Look what it says. Now, you have to do this. You have to endeavor to keep the unity. You have to bear with one another in love. What the scriptures are talking to us about here, they, God knows, Paul understands that spending time together can be difficult. It can be difficult. Because people are different. Personalities will clash. Right? All these other reasons. But that doesn't dismiss the fact that we as a church have to spend time together. And you say, well, you know, are you talking about Sunday mornings? Well, partially. I'm talking about families out here spending time with other families out there. I'm talking about seeing, a vision of seeing more groups begin to be formed and people doing life together and having time together and building relationships together. I'm talking about seeing families coming together and eating together out in the lobby. More families, family gatherings, church family gatherings, eating together, sharing a meal together. Because look at what it said back in Acts. So they met daily, they broke bread together, they ate together. So how can you be a church family if you don't break bread and eat together? I'm not sure we can. So this is something I know that we have to go do more of. Is this a healthy family that spends time together? Listen to this. It has provision for imperfection. A healthy family that is spending time together and is healthy and growing actually has a provision for imperfection. Because guess what? How many of you are perfect out here today? Ah! So anytime you bring people together, there is imperfection that comes in. And a family has to be healthy enough to be able to bring and have provision for that imperfection. And I understand people are in different seasons of life. And there are seasons in our life when we gather together that in the church family, we're a little bit more of a taker. How many have had the, the, the taker season in our lives, right? You just come to church and you're just like, oh my gosh, well, I hope somebody has a prophetic word for me. I hope somebody can pray for me. I hope the message is directed specifically to me. That's okay. Those are seasons of our life that we have. But I don't want you to stay there. Because if all of you were there and only stayed there, oh my gosh. We can't live there. We can't operate there. But the church has to also have the spiritually mature people who aren't coming just to get something out of the gathering. 
but they're looking to put something into the gathering. They're looking to say, oh man, during the break, Lord, I hope you just bring somebody to me that I can just talk with them and encourage them and pray for them. That's what a family does. That's what this church family, that's why we have an extended break right in the middle of service. And you know, I, I, I get it, there's people that are watching online, and I got a feedback the one time, like, can we reduce the break time for those who are watching online? No. I'm sorry, no. Because we're here, and that's part of the fellowship, and so be at home and call somebody during the 10-minute break, or walk around and talk to somebody in your family who's there with you, or text an encouraging word to somebody. You can participate in the fellowship while you're at home as well, but there's something about gathering together and the fellowship of us being together. You know, we see this in our own family, and we notice as a family when we don't spend a lot of time together, we start to kind of get, at least maybe I do sometimes, like, eh. You know, you know what the eh is? Right? You're like, just even your own family members. Like, I haven't, the, for a family, like the separation, you know, it's the absence is supposed to make the heart grow fonder. I don't know what that, I don't even know what that is. It's not biblical. Okay, you can't find a scripture regarding that, so we know that. I actually think it's not true. In a lot of cases. Now maybe, you know, with a spouse, and of course, if I'm on a trip, baby, I love you so much, you know, it's been a while since I've seen you, you know. But I think what happens is absence leads to isolation, which leads to you backing up and just being like, eh, eh, I don't want to, eh, I don't want to know if I want to see that person. Like, that person kind of rubs me the wrong way, right? You're like, you get into these funks. You get into a funk. The longer you're away from the gathering, from a family, from the church coming together, the harder it is to actually come back. Because the more isolated you become. And so we, from a vision moving forward, we want to begin to gather the church even more. Well, exactly what does that mean? I don't know yet. But we know that it's in our heart for us to be doing more meals together, to see more small groups happen. But a healthy family has to spend time together. Jump down to verse 11. And then I'm going to go like 11 all the way, kind of keep going through. I'm not going to skip any more verses. But I'm only going to get through maybe one or two more this morning. It says this. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. This is what sometimes there's referred to as the fivefold ministry. But basically, what it's saying is God has ordained and put into place certain levels and specific offices of authority. And so, the second point, point number two, point number one was a healthy family spends time together. Point number two is a healthy family has an authority structure. It has an authority structure. It has someone who is responsible. It has someone or some, some people, multiple people, who are set there by God. Set there by God. Someone who is, needs to be encouraged to lead by example on hearing from God. 
on being involved in the community as an overseer and as a shepherd. God places and anoints and puts people in leadership over local congregations. And a healthy family has to have an authority structure. It has to have an authority structure because there has to be some level of accountability. Look, I know parenting is hard. I get it. We've had different seasons, so I'm not judging any of this. But sometimes you know when you see a family that is run by the children. Like, just being honest. Right? You, you like, oh my God, your heart hurts. Your heart hurts that whether it's because of the past, whether it's because of hurt, whether it's because of the strong personality of the child, there's a hundred thousand different factors of it. But it hurts to see when the child is the one in charge of the family. I don't want to do that. I'm going to go here. I don't want this to happen. Right? And we see it in our own family. Look, I'm not saying we're like immune to this. But it's an active thing that we have to understand and see and reset that there's an authority structure in our family. In fact, I asked my kids this morning. They didn't know I was going to ask them. I said, hey, kids, who's in charge of the family? Like, who's responsible for our family? Without hesitation, without hesitation, oh, you and mom are. I said, that's right. You and mom are responsible. We, mom and dad, dad and mom, have been set as an authority over our children. And we have to, in cases, sometimes exercise that authority and that authority structure that makes sense so that we can actually have a healthy family. And a church is no different. A church has to have a healthy and understandable accountability structure in the church you say well what does that mean for us well what i believe that it means for us is i'm actually going to do probably in a a few weeks i'm going to talk even more specifically about this because i think it's important to understand what an eldership structure looks like what does it mean is it you know just a dictator that sits up top i mean what how does this work and what is the healthy model that is taught i'm not going to go into those details this morning But I want us to understand that a healthy family has an authority structure. In Hebrews 13, 17, it says this. This is just the Bible talking. It says, Obey those who have the rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. You understand what that's saying? That those who are set in authority in the local church are watching out for your souls. I have to give the account. She has to give the account. We're the ones who have to give the account. So so let them do it with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. And what this is saying is the God, over and over in the Bible, he's set up an authority structure in the church. And guys, I I wasn't sure I was going to do this, but I'm going to get real honest with you. So if you're here for the first time, just hear me out. I think this is an important note to to put in there. I was walking this morning. I said, Lord, I was going on my prayer walk. I said, Lord, what do you want me 
to say regarding this. And I believe that every single person who's sitting here and hears my voice has to make a decision. Are you planted in this church? And do you recognize the authority that God has placed over this church as your spiritual authority? You have to make a decision. You have to make a decision regarding that. And he said, I want you to ask the people three different questions and help them assess in their hearts whether or not they see the biblical structure that is, that is in this church. Number one, if you make comments like, well, there's nowhere else to go, so I might as well go there. I'm serious. I've heard these comments, guys. I'm just being honest with you. My last message was be bold, be honest. And as you're, guys, as the lead elder of this church, my responsibility is threefold. Protection, direction, and correction. Yeah, and you're going to love, thank you for protecting me, thank you for your vision. Nobody likes the third one, the correction. If you find, that's the first question, so the first question I had already, already asked. If you have this sense of, well, I just, yeah, there's nowhere else to go, I might as well go there. Then you are not fully committed and rooted and submitted in this church. And you have to decide. It's like you're on the fence. You in or are you out? The second one is if you find yourself gossiping and judging how the leadership is operating. Come on, church. They're going to get real quiet in here. This is not my, this is not my greatest amen, hallelujah sermon that I've given. If you find yourself going around and talking with others, I don't like the way this, I don't like, hey, it is okay to have opinions. It is okay to not like the lighting or the music or the sound or whatever. But if God has rooted you here and you are supposed to be at Erie Christian Fellowship Church, then you have no right to go about gossiping and judging the leaders that have been put in place over you. You just can't. It's in the Bible. You can't do it. Judge not lest you be, oh. So if you want to be judged, then you can go ahead and do that. But I highly suggest, based on the Bible says, you shouldn't be doing that. And so if you are doing that, it's a question, it's a heart reflection. It says, eh, maybe I'm not really in. Maybe, maybe I, I need to pray about this. And the third one, this is just like just a personal one that the Lord said it, so I'm not making this stuff up. Look, we've been going to this church for 22 years. I've been on staff for 12 years. I knew a lot of you prior to us coming on staff. And I personally don't care whether you say Pastor Jason or Jason to me. But here's what I would tell you. You have to reflect in your heart. If you struggle to say Pastor Jason or Pastor Liz, when you say it, if it's a struggle in your heart, then you have to say, I'm not sure if I'm fully submitted to the leadership of this church. That's just a truth. You, you can call me Jason and be as submitted as anybody else, and you know it in your heart. Look, I have an account I have to give for all of you. I have to give the account for all of you. 
And I don't care whether you say Pastor Jason or Pastor Liz specifically, but in your heart you have to know. If it just, you, could, you actually could not say it and mean, mean it more under that authority than actually saying it and being like, meh. He's not my pastor. I just go here because I've always gone here. That's not how it works, guys. That's not how it works. A family structure has an author- a healthy family has an authority structure. Someone who God point- appoints and anoints and ordains to be in charge and has responsibility. And again, I'm going to talk more about this in the future, but I needed you guys to understand where my heart is and where we're understanding. Now look, I'm also going to, this is like full disclosure morning. The people are here for like guests are like, what is going on? Nothing's going on. We're just preaching what the word says. In full disclosure, your pastor, senior pastor standing here, is a bivocational pastor. I actually work at another job during the week as the CFO of the Chamber of Commerce. And I've told a lot of people that, but yet a lot of people don't know, which I, I'm happy that there's not, you know, you know, the going around, blah, 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 blah. But I need you to understand that this job that God has given us truly is an appointment from the Lord. It's not because it pays every bill. It's not because it comes with such ease and joy. Oh, I can't wait. This is such an easy job. It's not an easy job. But we do it not because it pays all the bills and it's easy. We do it because God has called us to go do it. And so I ask each of you, what is God calling you to go do? And we have to go do it, whether it's scary or not. Just what Andy was saying this morning, right? You have to trust God, even if he's telling you to do something. All right, verse 12. I'm done with that one. This one's a little easier. Ephesians 4, verse 12. Why does he place those people in those offices? Is for this. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. A healthy family, this is point three, a healthy family develops gifts and talents. Because what it understands is, is it can't do it all on its own. And God has placed and put into place certain gifts and talents within each congregation that we want to and need to see flourish. This is not a spectator sport. This is not an entertainment factory. This is not a performance that we, you know what, I can't wait to go to that performance on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. This is not, a, this, this is, I was telling the guests, right, I was just like, this, I don't know what's going to happen on Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning is like different. Because the Holy Spirit is in charge. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads and guides us. And directs us. But what I know for a fact that he wants to, as a church, at Erie Christian Fellowship, begin to further develop the gifts and the talents that are here in this congregation. We have to understand that the next generation has gifts and talents that we want to see used and developed. You know, in our own personal life, in our own personal family, man, 
This is like, I love this stuff. Like even when I'm in the business world, even now working at you know, the Chamber of Commerce here and in my family, it's like my radar screen is up for gifts and talents. It's like I'm, ooh, I like that. It's good with that. Ooh, she's really good with that. And we do that. We do that in our family, right? We, we do constantly. I'm just like, mm, Grace is pretty good at that. I wonder if that's something God has a calling. And we test it and we see and we try it. If it doesn't work out, we're just like, nope, she's a failure. (laughs) Of course not. Of course not. This is a process. And so I want to encourage you. This is a two-way street, meaning it's not a spectator sport. I may not come individually to all of you and say, I see your town, I see your town. But there's a chance where you guys can come to us and say, the Lord is really stirring and moving in my heart, and I want to participate more in a such and such an area. And we need more of that. That's part of the vision of this church moving forward. Why do we want to see that? Because what that scripture says, it edifies the body of Christ. It unifies to the, of the faith of the body of Christ. I absolutely love it. So here's what I want to do this morning. I'm going to close. I got three more points, man. I could go on. We're going to save those for next week. Yep, not a marketing campaign, but honestly, I want you guys to come back next week to hear the rest of this. I want to do something different this morning. And now if we could get a keyboard player. Who's up? Jake? Jake's up. Now, if you think the anointing was on the teaching before, wait till he starts playing. All right, it's like scriptural, like David called for the harpists or something, right? And once it started going, like the anointing grew. I don't know if that's real or not, but... <clears throat> well, I mean, it's in the Bible, but I don't know if it's a New Testament thing. But anyway, he's a great, he's a great keyboarder. And so I, what I want to do this morning is something different. I felt led that I wanted to pray for our church, because it was kind of a strong message. And to be honest, next week's not going to get any easier for anybody. But I feel as though it is our job to confront some of these things that need confronted. Because here's what I found out. If, you, if we allow somebody to do something over and over and over again that's not good for them, guess what? That's on me. That's on me. As the leadership team, it is our responsibility to call out some behaviors and things that we absolutely believe need to be changed for your health and for the health of the church. And here's my rule that I've always used. We use it in the house. We use it with the kids. I've used it in business. If I allow everybody to do what that person just did, what would the impact be? That's what I call my newspaper test or my decision, my filter. And can I be honest with you guys? As your pastors, as your leadership team, I've been weak in this area. I've been weak in this area. I've been weak in this area because it's not my natural tendency to want to confront or to bring correction. And I feel like, as Pastor Jack had prophesied, there's a new season coming. There's a new season coming to this church. 
That's right. And I don't want anyone to miss it. And this sense of being bold and being honest and stepping into the authority fully that God has on our lives is something I'm ready and willing to go do. And that may mean I come across a little differently. It may mean you get a phone call that you weren't expecting. But I cannot any longer not fulfill a portion of the calling that's on my life because it's actually unhealthy for the church. So why don't you stand with me this morning? Here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to join hands together. You may be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's making us do this again. One of these things. But there's nothing more, I mean, even like across aisles, come on, join hands across aisles. Come on, boys. If you're not holding someone's hand, you're not following the instructions. As I was thinking about what we're going to do here this morning, I felt like the Lord said that I'm going to come down and stand next to my wife, and I'm going to pray from down there. Because we are a family. This is God's family. This is where many of us, I know we've got guests, and, and I get that, but where God has placed many of you. Not just for years before, but years moving forward. And I just want to pray a prayer of unity over us as a church, as a family. Because I'm one of you guys as well. Can we do that this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we come before you. As, a fa- as your family, the family of God. Father, I ask that you would move upon each and every heart of your children. Father, we come before you and we submit ourselves unto you. We resist the devil and he will flee from out of the midst of us. Father, we come in humility each individual heart, Father, and we're asking you to lead us. To lead us into an open space together. Out of the shadows, out of corners of darkness that have felt safe. Father, we ask that you would bring each heart into a place of truth into a place of honesty, under the covering of protection. We submit ourselves unto you, Father. We submit ourselves unto you, Father. Father, we just... Father, I pray for a bond of unity that is so strong that nothing can break it. Father, your word says that that three-chord strand is not easily broken. Father, we stand before you as those you placed in leadership of this church, but we stand with this congregation 
And more importantly, we stand with you. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that that cord is not easily broken and will not be broken. For the bond of unity and the bond of peace shall reign in this place. And Father, I speak against division. I speak against dissension. Lord, that it has no place in a healthy family. Father, I speak against complaining and grumbling, gossip, all of it. I say no more in Jesus' name. No more in Jesus' name. Father, that we would exalt you, glorify you, and be a unified family for you, doing the work that you've called us to do at Erie Christian Fellowship Church. And I speak a blessing over every church family, those here and even not here, that today will be a new day, that today is the start of a new season. Today is the start of something fresh, something that is so beautiful and so pure and so real that people will not be able to look at it and say, I don't want to be a part of that. For Lord, we thank you that you gave your life for the church. And we stand in honor of that sacrifice. And so, Father, yes, Lord, we do. We lay our lives down for one another. Every person here laying their lives down for one another. A new day. A new day. Father, I thank you for it. In your precious name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Okay. Whew. Just You guys can remain standing for here just as I close. Thank you, Lord. We're going to have some prayer teams that are up here. They'll be able to pray with you after church. If you've got something in your life, relationship, health, finances, whatever it is, they'll be up here, they'll pray for you, they'll be in agreement with you. I want to close with this. Boy, this is like Honesty Sunday here. (laughs) The Lord, as I said earlier, gave that prophetic word last week. But there were two other prophetic words that were given And these are the words that a senior leader of any organization doesn't want to hear, (laughs) but has to reflect on them in truth. The first one was years ago, back when we took over, and it was this. It says, Erie Christian Fellowship Church will see addition by subtraction. And I was like, well, that stinks. Like, I don't receive that word. (laughs) And then somebody else said it, who had no idea that the other person ever said it, because I've never shared it. Because who wants to share that? And then as things progressed, and as that thing hit back in 2020, and I actually really saw 
this subtraction of things the way it used to be done. (laughs) I don't mean just in the people sense. Yes, we've lost some people. But I mean he just like took ministry after ministry and was like reset. (laughs) Reset. It'll feel like subtraction, but wait for it. Addition is coming. It'll feel hurt and pain, and you don't understand what's going on, but wait for it. And man, I'm just like, oh, that's hard. Guys, it's hard. And then this was in December of last year. My best friend, Andy. After church, he came up and he said, I feel like the Lord is saying this. Now, mind you, this was seven months ago. Dismantle. That's the season that we're in. And you're the right people to do it. But it went further. Like a mechanic disassembling an engine so that they can clean the parts. Come on, church. To rebuild it properly for more power. And there is something going on in the spirit here that I believe we are there. Church, we are moving into the moment where the subtraction is beginning to stop, the addition is beginning to happen, the dismantling is finishing. I don't know if it's totally over yet, but I'm saying that that season of this church is closing. And based on the prophetic words from last week and what I feel in my spirit is that there will be a rebuilding of the ministries, a rebuilding of certain things for what? For more power. To see Northwest Pennsylvania saved. To see families thriving. To see the sick healed. To see people discipled. That's exciting, church. So there's my vision for us. I'm going to continue it next week. There's a few more things the Lord has placed on my heart. So don't miss what we have to share next week as well. But let me close with this. 2 Peter 3, verse 17. Actually, let me do verse 18. This is for each of us. Just receive this this morning. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. If you have prayer requests, you may come up here and these guys will pray with you.